Welcome to another episode of Wild and Exposed, your wildlife photography and outdoor adventure podcast. This week, your hosts are Michael Morrow, Mark Raycroft, and special guest Sean James from the famous YouTube channel, Myself Reliance. We are here in Whittier, Alaska. If you aren't watching us on YouTube, you should be, because the backdrop behind us is just breathtaking. We have a wonderful fjord, we have glaciers, mountains, and we're cooking in the blue sky sun today. I'm going to say cooking is really right. I'm like sweating <laughs> like a big dog. <laughs> I'm sitting on a big, flat, dark-colored rock, and it's hot, hot, hot. I feel like I, a fried egg. You guys got nice, comfy chairs going on. Yeah, thanks for those. You were, you're welcome. So today's podcast is the contents about surf and turf. We're going to mix it up with what we've been shooting this past, well, five days here in Alaska and cover the salmon run. We've had the last two days some phenomenal underwater experimentation and videography and still photos, storytelling. We found a really active run here in Whittier, Alaska of pink salmon. And we're also going to cover some really phenomenal moose experiences that we've had. I wanted to call this summer moose mania, but we're going to jump in because we'll cover the salmon as well. Some great content for today's podcast. You guys still warm? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's beautiful, but it's, yeah, I've, I've got my uh, Fjord camo on. I've got this blue, bought it in Anchorage when I arrived. It's supposed to be a sunblock, uh, long sleeve, breathable, lightweight shirt. It looks good. I hope it saves my bacon here in the sun. Yeah. Well, Sean and I were just looking when we were driving up here. It was 72... Which is, what did I say? 21. 21, 21 Celsius. Celsius. 72 Fahrenheit. And it's, so that's not that hot, but what, it's just that sun. It's so, yeah. it's, I guess, it total is intense. Blue sky. Not much, you know, there's some haze in the air, but it's not blocking out the sun, that's for sure. No. It's intense. But we're sitting in a gravel pit, basically, on a, on a frying pan. Right. With a vista. With yeah. a vista. I can feel a breeze coming up from the ocean behind us. So Yeah. It's the sacrifices we make for. For the listeners. Right. right. And I say ocean. That's Prince William Sound right behind us. Spectacular. Really. This is Sean's last day here. It's my second last day. And to, to spend it in this backdrop and these experiences, my wife Pilly went out and picked a whole big jug of, of salmon berries. Mm -hmm. Salmon berries, yeah. They were delish. We had those this morning after playing with the salmon. But speaking of which, we spent the last two days experimenting on this river. A, a friend of the podcast on a recent episode, uh, Jerry Herod, told us about this river run that was just starting to active with the pink salmon and the water has been crystal clear and and as you alluded to on the vlog that we recorded for youtube michael that we would time it for low tide otherwise we'd be underwater never right. see the fish if right. it's high tide right so there is that mathematical calculation but with low tide we're dealing with anywhere from six inches to maybe two feet of water and all these fish and pristine conditions clear water it was great for experimenting with our action cameras our osmo action and and sean's gopro 7 and working underwater and, and getting these fish uh, spawning and swimming to and from and basically telling the story of the migration well sean really worked it hard and I, you can speak to it sean but just to introduce it i mean you're working on elements for your show for your youtube channel right and so you end up what do you use? A drone, a DSLR, an action camera, anything Fishing else? rod. Fishing rod, yeah. probably an iPhone. Right, yeah. So um, there's a lot of cameras at work. Mark and I predominantly worked with just action cameras because all we care about is underwater 
I mean, that's the imagery we would use in our content. We're wildlife we photographers, yeah. right? But we but did. Sean was killing it with all kinds of stuff. We were doing B-roll on on the cell phones, on on smartphones as well. For, yeah, that for too. the YouTube content. So you were describing Sean's technique that he developed yesterday, and I left my monopod. I bought one, but I didn't realize we were short one yesterday. So I left it back at the house and didn't bring it. And I was and Sean didn't have one, so I tried to offer it to him this morning. He refused it because he had a better strategy that. I didn't know about yesterday, and we saw today. That was that was great. I mean, you should explain it well, if you're willing to share it. <laughs> it's too late because we recorded it for the vlog <laughs> right. too. But did yeah, you yeah. patent it? I did patent it. That move. You know, I spend a lot of time on the water. I've mentioned that on previous podcasts and in some of my content that um, I'm always either out canoeing or on a boat or fishing in a river like that. So I prefer actually the the um, a clamp that clamps to something with an articulating what do we call that sort of a monopod yeah uh, and then you could kind of clamp that onto anything including rocks under the water but that actually broke on me this week so i have this little flat clamp that the gopro mounts to directly the only issue with it is that you can't level it it's difficult to level but in this situation we're in a river that has all these flat shale rocks that's perfect for clipping this thing onto and then just placing it in the river where you want to and the beauty of that which i found a, a, was a bit of a benefit over uh, or an advantage over using a, a selfie stick is that the current didn't move with it, the camera you're holding onto that selfie stick holding it in the current it's just vibrating or you know it wants to be swept downstream of course and then these darn salmon are so aggressive they're knocking the camera over <laughs> if you don't keep an eye on it you find it pointing down at the ground or up in the sky exactly it would point down or it, mine got knocked around easily today and didn't get pointed down but it was shooting something totally irrelevant there's yeah. so many fish swimming past right so they just hit it with their tail and off it goes so well and i think this is not a lot of fish i think you could have runs with a lot more fish but sure. this was perfect for filming Super concentrated, uh, short run up to where they can't get any further. So the, the falls is probably 100 yards off the off the fjord, for calling it that, or the ocean. Mm -hmm. But uh, super clear water. That's one of the other major advantages to this. I've never seen water quite so clear where you can capture that. Right. And the light was good, too, in there. Yeah. You had pretty even light throughout. So, And I think, to speak to your point about the monopod, I was able to be make that work. If you had like two points of contact, so right. if you could find a rock and a rock and then keep the camera close to that first rock mm -hmm. that was actually in the water, mm -hmm. I wouldn't get the jiggle. Yeah. If I was just trying to hold it out though, yeah. it felt fine on the far end when I'm holding, but when I looked at the footage, it's just like a... Well, it's funny watching it evolve too. So this is our second day filming on this river. The first day, it's trial and error. We got an opportunity to film using different different techniques go back review that footage and then come back today and make adjustments to get better footage so it's one of the things that i noticed yesterday i didn't get fish coming to the camera we're trying to tell that whole story so you'd like to get the fish coming upstream passing the camera and then tail up going up that stream and disappearing yep. as they go up the headwaters and then the drone footage on top of that showing those fish going up through the shallows just completes that story that's what i love about uh, about videography is that you get to create these full stories like that and you see the whole picture from above from side from underwater awesome it's the perfect thing right because it's fun to play underwater because mm -hmm. you just don't get to do that too much and now with today's technology it's a lot of fun to play yeah, it sure is 
And I think what you said is perfect. If you, you know, we got a chance to go back, download everything last night, look at it. The one thing I was concerned about was, it, was it going to be grainy? I mean, you can monitor the footage on an iPhone, but everything look, looks good on an iPhone. Mm-hmm. It's when you blow it up on a bigger screen that it's like, uh, I don't know, is that going to be too much grain in there? But it looked great. And shutter speed. So we all played around with shutter speeds, and I'm not sure we came to a conclusion which one was the best. No. And I ended up just letting it kind of choose its own shutter speed because mm-hmm. it seemed to work yesterday. And it's so hard to know what you're going to see. The other thing about these action cams is the Wi-Fi works outside the water, mm-hmm. but as soon as you drop it down in there, the Wi-Fi has gone. Oh, really? So you don't get to see what you're shooting. So okay. it's it's a guess. So it really doesn't matter. You might as well let the camera choose what it's going to shoot because it's going to be more accurate than me guessing. Mm-hmm. But we did shoot in 4K, 4K24. I did some 4K30, but today I only did 4K24 and 4K60 based on your suggestion, Michael, mm-hmm. and then slow-mo as well for those opportunities. But one thing that impressed me, and, and I don't know if the GoPro 7 does this, you can um, answer that to this, Sean, but the Osmo Action had audio underwater. For some yeah. You could hear the water flowing past the camera, and we would pick different places, whether it was a fast current to get the fish fighting the current more, or these slow little eddies off to the side where they were spawning and then different sounds yeah gopro captures it as well I, th- okay. I mean it's not high quality but i think it yeah i think it captures enough it shows you it's the sound of the water rushing but you also what you don't know until you get underwater if you've never been snorkeling or scuba i don't know about scuba diving but certainly snorkeling you hear the rocks moving underwater from the current all the time which is kind of unique to hear that mm-hmm. so that but gopro does pick that up as well so it kind of it adds to the experience for sure so we'll definitely use that. I mean, it, it helps tell the story. Yeah, and, and the monopod, I found it did work, but I also spent, you know, three quarters of the day using the, the rock tactic just to make sure right. every, all the bases were covered. Yeah. And, you know, the clips, again, it depends. You know, we might, I let the camera run for five or ten minutes mm-hmm. because you just don't know when one of those, these pink salmon, the males have these big curved jaws and teeth and they have this big hump back and they come up next to the female and get that spawning action or just into the camera, the right, we only need a few seconds right. to tell the story. And spawning, if anybody doesn't know what that means or doesn't really truly understand what it is, it's literally spawning the next generation. So <laughs> well, The rock has officially become too hot for Michael. He's heading down the valley. He's going toward the blue sea. Going for a dip. That'll be refreshing. Sorry to interrupt, but I was just dying. Yeah, no, I don't know how you're doing it. We could hear you panting in the camera. <laughs> My butt feels like I just got hit with an iron. <laughs> yeah, Michael's on the hot seat today. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Are you going to make it? Yeah, I'm, I'm good. I was okay. just like, you can feel sweat just dripping down. Oh, like, it's, that's not much better here. We might be back. <laughs> We're all behind, behind the rock. We're going to slowly gravitate to the water's edge, which is about 200 yards away as the podcast goes on. you got to watch this on YouTube if you want to see what we're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. So, the, uh, yeah, so the spawning action is the, the, the uh, female salmon are laying their eggs, and then the, the males are coming along and fertilizing the eggs. So you get to see that action underwater. And the seagulls, you'll see all these seagulls flying around in the footage, and they're coming in, and they're, they're not eating the salmon. They're eating those eggs, which is pretty cool to see. A lot of behavior. Yeah. A lot of yeah. behavior. The other thing I thought was super cool about it is when we're all out here together, you just are sharing ideas, right? And it's like, hey, have you tried this? Have you tried this? Mm-hmm. We didn't try to shoot the same things, but we did 
you know, I, I saw, well, Sean's prime example was yeah. the, the rock with the clamp because sure. it just gave us the most solid base. So we all used that. We didn't use it in the same spot, but mm-hmm. we were able to, to use that. So I love that whole mm-hmm. being able to share the yeah. stuff and collaborate. And Absolutely. Yeah, and I miss a lot of that when I'm working. Most of my stuff is alone, but when I get together with some guys like yourself, I learn a lot. Especially if we have three or four hours that we're just having fun there, other ideas pop in because we've yeah. tried this angle, tried that. We've hiked across the shallow river to get the other side of the light, different things. Mm-hmm. And then somebody comes up with an idea, like Sean did. Yeah. 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 And I guess, you know, looking at the footage between a GoPro and the Osmo, I don't think there's that much difference. I can't see much of a difference. <laughs> Good point. Yeah. I think the biggest, probably the biggest difference is that you have a screen on the front if you're look, doing more selfie work with it. Yep. Right? Yep. And I haven't used, personally, the GoPro 7, mm-hmm. but, like, the GoPro 5... I used to have a hard time connecting with Wi-Fi. It just was finicky all the mm-hmm. time. It seemed like it worked perfect in the office when you set them up. Yeah, okay. And then when you get out to the field and you try to set it, you know, go with it, it's like gives you fits. Mm-hmm. The one thing about the Osmo is it connects almost every time. Mm-hmm. I should say every time. Sure. You know, sometimes yeah. it takes a little bit longer than others, but it always connects, which is really cool. So if you hear a noise, Mark is, again, if you're watching YouTube, you'll see Mark like peeking around like, what's going on here? So Prince William sounds right behind us, and there's a port. The Whittier port is just up the valley here. So there's boats coming in and out of this all day long. And you may hear those motors, because once they're doing that, they're actually just trying to get to port. They're not fishing. They're not doing anything else. The other thing you're going to hear is airplanes flying over here. comes one right now. So just typical Alaska backcountry transportation. Mm -hmm. And I think we chose to do it here just because... It's authentic. It is. And we want to, sh- I mean, to share this visual with our audience to, you know, it's one thing to hear the audio podcast, but to see where we travel to, in addition to our vlogs, now that we're putting podcast content up on YouTube. <laughs> it's <laughs> Judging by how much we're fidgeting, we probably didn't pick the best spot. <laughs> well, it's so hot here in the sun. We So we have a limited time today. There's a sightseeing plane going over, heading to glacier country, which there are many around. We're on a time frame because Sean's flying out tonight. And one thing, if you don't know it already, Whittier, Alaska is accessed by road through this incredible tunnel, through a mountain. Mm -hmm. It's about three miles long. Is that what we guess? That's what I thought I heard at one point. We've been trying to figure that out exactly how far it is. It's a long way. I mean, you're driving 25 miles an hour, and it seems like it probably takes five, ten minutes. Mm -hmm. I don't know. It's just incredible to imagine the feat of engineering to dig this tunnel when it was done through the mountain. And so that's timed. You have every half hour it switches direction. We're basically you drive drive in on a railway track. That's what it was designed for and it is leveled so you can drive a vehicle, but it's one way. So there's these rock walls and lights going for these miles through this mountain and it's cold and it's damp and it's just remarkable but it's timed every half hour so one direction for half an hour in the next half hour is out and so it's a matter of timing that and we have to do that carefully today for sean's departure and flight back tonight and we wanted to make sure we got this in here to show you the landscape and talk about it while we're here in person so that's the timing is why we're in the sun and baking rather than uh, this evening and fidgeting and fidgeting and and bugs so sean um the salmon run Mm -hmm. You've seen, obviously, and fish for salmon in your part of the country, but just to see it here, what was that like? What was that? Uh, 
well, a couple of things come to mind. Well, a few. The clarity of the water is just incredible. At the base, where the uh, river empties into the into the inlet, first of all, there's bald eagles landing there. There's, you know, a glacier and basically Alps in the background. <laughs> like the the scene is just incredible. The quantity of fish and the the I think the immersion of the people here into the outdoors is different than it is back home, where um, it's more I don't know less. It, I would say it's more casual, but also too intensive. That so the fisheries there are kind of created, they're manufactured, they're they're uh, planted fish, and there's a limited amount of those, and the regulations are pretty strict, and there's a lot of enforcement here. The you know, literally almost every creek or, o- or river that empties into the ocean is full of fish. Like the abundance here is just incredible. The scale of everything in Alaska is immense. So to see all of these salmon in a spot, if you saw a run like that back in Ontario, Canada, where I'm from, it, it would be shoulder to shoulder fishermen. And here it's literally a couple of fishermen at a time and mostly tourists are checking it out to see the phenomenon. But you can see that anywhere here in Alaska. Just about any creek, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And another side benefit to this, for those that are into mammal photography, if it's quiet, like early morning or evening, then you have a very good possibility of seeing bears. Absolutely. And the landscape, the forest that came right to the river's edge with these deadfalls, it would just be the ideal scenario for black bear images or brown bear. But I believe the river that these pinks were running on more likely to see black bears from what Jerry was telling us. Yeah, there's so much to all this, and I don't know enough about salmon, or I don't know enough about this particular area, but I know in places where I go film brown bears that there will be a run of salmon in this creek, and it may be a week or two weeks different than a creek down here or a river down here. So I was asking Jerry last night, I was, can, you know, if this river's going, and maybe the river, the next drainage over isn't going yet, would that create a concentration of bears on this river? And he's like, no, I think almost pretty much when the pinks are in, every river fills up at all at the same mm-hmm. time. Okay. So that's the bad thing about the bear thing is there are so there's so much country out here that the bears can get away from people so easily. And your chances of seeing a bear in an area like that, since it isn't a timed kind of thing. Now, this is all I don't I'm not I haven't studied the biology of all this. So I'm not sure that that's factual, 100 percent factual. Well, makes sense. I but, mean, they'd be running up all the various streams, and, and many bears would avoid people. But there, there were sightings, or there's one big bear around that he was hoping to see. But we haven't yet. It was just the ideal scenario. Yep. I mean, we were, we've only been on the river, uh, this particular river, last night and this morning. So not a lot of time. Well, yeah, we're limited by our schedule, my schedule. Today, I'm I'm saying to, to a Mike back at the restaurant after having lunch that um, it doesn't feel like a go-home day today, like a departure day. We're getting a full day in because the days are long. Leaving at 11.45 at night is awesome because I get to do this still. Yep. So we got up early, got out here on four hours sleep <laughs> last night and enjoying it again. And I like, here we are. Well, make the most of it. Yeah. And so it's, I mean, if for midsummer something about those that are interested in wildlife photography and these amazing ecosystems along the coast of Alaska there's nothing like experiencing a salmon run and these new action cameras really facilitate some cool perspectives that were unattainable not many years ago so to be able to easily film underwater at 4k footage and then tell the story like we've been trying to do and then the opportunity of other animals uh, whether it's bears or eagles and such around too and drones and we called and we uh checked with the locals to make sure it was cool to fly the drone and, mm-hmm. and it all was so 
Well, and to be able to share it quickly, right? I'm not sure if any of you, if the two of you have uploaded any of the images from the last couple of days on Instagram yet. But if anybody's not following either of these guys or myself on Instagram, um, there's additional content that's quite regular. Podcasts are maybe once or twice a week. Videos less um, often in my channel, same thing. But Instagram is daily. So if you want to see what's going on and see some awesome images, go to Instagram or, or even Facebook and see that those updates quickly because from an iphone you can capture the image or even your other cameras with wi-fi or bluetooth you can upload those to your phone and edit them and have them posted well one funny thing last night is jerry was jerry came down to see us he was working but he had a, a couple of minutes to take a break and he's like man i can't wait to come back and do this i'm gonna i'm gonna go pick up an action cam and come do this and <laughs> and i said well isn't your iphone waterproof to like 10 feet or something and he's like you're right <laughs> and so he he stuck his phone in the water and just got a few shots and and put it up on Instagram while we were still at the river. So that's kind of cool. Mm -hmm. And we yeah we've we've shared that last week uh, in the Kenai Peninsula we did put salmon underwater, but that was a different experience. The water wasn't clear like this. No, it right. was raging too. Yeah. So this will be better footage. So check back on that by the time you hear this podcast. Go to the Wild and Exposed Instagram page and see more of the storyline of this great Alaska adventure we've had over the past couple of weeks. So in addition to the salmon, we've had one heck of a week filming summer moose. We've had this great valley that Michael knew of that we hiked into. We Every morning we'd get up and we'd be in there around 6 a.m., hike a few miles, glass from high points, and we're very fortunate in, in different different scenarios every morning mm -hmm. that we were out there as far as where we'd end up finding animals and what images were collected or opportunities whether it was a group of bulls a solitary bull whether it was a bull that was bedded for hours that we had to wait for in hopes of it stepping into the right situation but it was a lot of fun because there's quite a density of moose mm -hmm. something about being this far north in, in the remote wilderness to have that experience I don't know. I haven't been there long enough to know what the long-term things are, but it sure is good this year. And it wasn't bad last year. This year. You and I photographed in there last year and had some luck. So, and What was your impression on that, Sean? Well, so, so where I am, dense forest basically is what I'm surrounded by. And I have some trail camera images of moose around my cabin. I've never been able to take an actual photograph at my own, on my own land. Cause it's just too dense and even when there is one it's one maybe two animals so never been able to do this and glassing I mentioned this before as well that i don't get the opportunity to sit in glass for wildlife that's what i love about these open spaces sit on a ridge see two or three animals and maybe you can't get close to them but at least you're seeing something to keep your interest up and then you go and you find these high densities like we did got into six or seven bulls and some cows and for me it's all exciting even the cows are exciting to me and today doll sheep like oh it, that's right yeah mm. so that's we'll throw that into today's <laughs> podcast <too. laughs> right it's just uh every, everywhere you go there's wildlife i'm just not used to that and, and it's all like i said I, i'm not an experienced wildlife photographer like you guys so every animal that i see back home especially i'm excited right yeah. well you know we have a little funny thing with ron it seems like every time we're out with him he's always he'll throw a shout out in the morning okay i want to see a blah 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 and for some reason we tend to see it you got that same thing although this morning you woke up i think when we got in the car you're like okay i want to see a humpback and what was your other thing <laughs> i don't think there was anything not on that <laughs> <laughs> and that hasn't happened yet i'm not going to say it won't but well, we better face the other direction when we're talking if you're hoping right. to see that today that's true 
watch the water and it's it's very possible but yeah limited time for that you know the moose though the, like that 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 was an experience for me we went out three times for, i did maybe three times for moose saw moose each time some days were better than others yesterday was just phenomenal got footage of a lifetime for me again i'm this is new to me and to my audience that uh, doesn't most of the, my audience don't live in areas that you get to see wildlife like this, especially moose which is such an immense animal if you're if you've never seen one to get to spend that much time with them and that close to them and and take it all in in a beautiful scene as well this is not just in a forest with a couple of spruce trees as a backdrop this is with a mountain in the background and oh, just inc- just incredible I, I, if you ever get the opportunity, you have to come out and, and experience this yourself. Yeah, lots of moose in Alaska. And by this time of the summer, too, the bull's antlers are 90% grown, so they're quite impressive. Covered in velvet still, but very impressive. But th- this year is a great year. As far as wildlife photography is concerned, the fireweed plants were everywhere and adds such color for summer imagery, these pink flowering plants that are about waist height. And I think we covered this on, on the last podcast, but just to reiterate, moose don't help with that scene. <laughs> That seems that's they just munch it as they get up. So we waited for this bull yesterday morning, who was bedded in fireweed. I think it was probably two and a half hours that we mm-hmm. waited for him to get up. And as soon as he got up, it was good for images because it's cool as you see him eating it. If you time it, or video, even better for that matter. Mm-hmm. But yeah, they they chew the color out of the scene pretty quickly. It was their plant of choice. It seemed to be, and then Sean, dude, got to stop me if we've had these days are long and exciting and, and we've packing as much into this trip as we can the great podcast that we did yesterday in moose country did we talk about your we did we did we, we did, did but if you missed that episode yeah you should you should hit it up one more time yeah well, it was kind of cool yeah let's tell the story quickly because we had no yeah nobody saw you do this and what happened out of it was, was but fantastic. then he was looking at that footage this morning he's like ah, oh, that's not that cool he's like i was expecting something different and i'm looking oh. at it going that is really cool. That is awesome footage because the perspective and you got this huge mountain and this moose right in front of it. I don't know. I think it's awesome. Yeah. It, you know, it is awesome. I mean, getting spoiled. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah. So I said, well, see, see, for me, I'm not ca- trying to capture or I'm not capturing these pristine images of a majestic animal and it's all its glory. Uh, the experience for me and for my audience is to be part immersed in nature and appreciating animals of any scale any size any environment is is what i share and the way i do that is i video everything i don't take many photographs and part of that is setting my camera up frequently and talking to the camera talking to the people that are following along and describing what i'm seeing and showing them what i'm seeing so i'm setting this the camera up and then i jump in front of it but there might be something happening behind me well in this case i set the gopro up with the intention of talking to it while the moose was uh, feeding in a different direction. Well, suddenly the moose turned around and started heading my direction. Well, to be respectful, I stepped back and, you know, I walked away and gave him a space. Well, he ends up walking up to my GoPro and uh, eating the fireweed right in front of it with the mountains in the background. So pretty cool, pretty cool image that it ended up. Oh, that's okay. I mean, we got to go with it. Just explain what's going on. Oh, well, where we are, we're at a viewpoint over the fjord, and there's a parking lot a couple hundred yards away with picnic tables, and we just picked this high point for the backdrop, and obviously somebody's car alarm is going off to help give us some audio background for our podcast. (laughs) Oh, no, a second one. That's good. Watch, it's probably someone that's off on a hike, too, and is going to go for 30 minutes. 
Oh, oh. no. You're good. But yeah, so that was the footage you got with that. I mean, I just stood there and was like, if, you know, just hold it, the microphone and drop. Sean's got the shot. You know? <laughs> right. Yeah. As I far think as storytelling. We're panning, uh, following this moose, and all of a sudden there's a GoPro in the <laughs> image, right? So, okay, yes, I won't say shoot that. That's but I'll soon. have to say, I wouldn't have thought of that, right? Because we're so keyed in on big lenses or whatever, and you don't even consider the GoPro as part of our arsenal of tools when we're out shooting this stuff but after seeing what you did i'm like man i learned i learned a new new possibility today and it's tough country to do that we i mean we've talked about over the years i've always had this fantasy about putting down these action cameras with a thousand caribou going by and just getting that under the hoof kind of perspective and i can i can envision that on the tundra but it did not occur to me where we were because the vegetation at points was as high as us mm -hmm. right. grass this year and you know the animals would be gone behind it but how would you hide a gopro and there's no support for it but sean found this rock in an area where in front of it where the fireweed was low enough that the animal was visible so it was a really fortuitous situation that it would work there i think the uh, what i'm learning from what from my experiences over the years and also from what i'm learning from you guys is the versatility to have all of the gear with you and continue to, to your gear bag is going to continue to evolve and your techniques continue to evolve. So I found myself at the beginning of this trip just wanting to capture any image of wildlife, like literally a, a warbler or a lemming or a ground squirrel or a cow moose. Mm -hmm. We get in these situations because you guys are putting us on to these awesome animals. Well, I'm starting off with these simple images or simple footage and now... I get those and now I'm okay what's next now I want to perfect this now I want to improve on this so I start off with just the overall big capture and now it's like okay that moose now I want him in the thirds now I want him looking at me I want the glint in the eye I want the antlers full frame in the image sometimes I want those uh, doll sheep on you know in the right spot and capturing their behavior the cute um, lambs lambs yeah like just getting into all the different uh, just improving and Sometimes that's gear selection and having, I mean, I looked like a Sherpa at one point there. I had the GoPro hanging on my belt, the one camera, smaller camera on my shoulder, the tripod, which is, I'm always, that's the other thing, I've always got the camera mounted on a tripod, which actually does help in these scenarios because I'm filming, I can't handhold, so I'm setting this tripod up, it gives, frees up my hands to use my other camera so that I can capture something completely different. I think maybe that's one of my little tips or one of the advantages I have maybe just because I've always been run and gun and had to work with the with the video instead of just film, uh, stills and you choose to do that I mean that's your best storytelling is it you is, can yeah. do it yourself so having that flexibility is pretty awesome and we always I mean when we talk about stills we talk about it's cool nowadays that you don't have to have a tripod right mm -hmm. so we're actually exactly. promoting that a lot of times All but right. I've never been able to because with video you have to have it Right. But having that freed up, it, you're right. You're exa I've never thought about it that way, but that's exactly what it does is it frees it up, mm -hmm. set it off, and then you could grab a GoPro and go send, set it up. Or yeah. it's, it's, I've learned a lot on this trip, that's for sure. Yeah, I think it's been a great trip for collaboration. I mean, yeah. Sean has helped us tremendously with the idea of, of what we can create for YouTube and expanding our presence there and, and just sharing the experiences together. There's been a lot of back and forth, which I've been grateful for and, and I've really enjoyed your company. Yeah, that's, well, likewise. I hope that's recording. I can't see it. Well. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs>
And no matter which platform you're listening to us on, please take the time to hit that follow and subscribe button, to give us a positive review, a five-star rating, or a thumbs up, as those help us to do what we love to do and to bring you this podcast on a regular basis. You can also find more of our team's content on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, and of course on our website at wildandexposed.com, where you can see today's show notes as well. I'd like to take a moment and give a special thank you to our hardworking and talented producer, Missy McKenzie, for all that she does behind the scenes to bring this podcast to you on a regular basis. Until next time, you've been listening to Wild and Exposed Podcast. Thanks for tuning in.